There's such a healing. There's such a healing. There's such a healing here today. As you were ministering this morning, you call it, uh, you were an orphan child. Boy, did that strike home. It brought back a memory that this is going to affect some of you. I, I might not even get to my notes, so I'm not going to keep you all afternoon. It don't take God long to do what he's going to do. I was just a teenage girl. Well, I wasn't even a teenager yet. And we lived in Illinois in a little apartment, my mom and dad and my two brothers, and they went into the Marine Corps. And I missed them terribly because they were my best friends growing up. You know, my brothers were. And on the school ground, I'd go, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about here, but I'd go, the kids would be on the ground playing marbles, and I'd go up and kick the marbles. And they'd jump up, and they'd start running after me, and I'd run over to my brothers. You can run to your brother today. You can run to your big brother today. Boy, this has been a balling day, hasn't it? Last night was a balling night. Yeah. There's healing going on in this place. But I remember my, my dad was sitting in a chair, and, and my dad was, he was a lot like my, my husband. Uh, but he was, he was German, and he was very outspoken. I guess that's where I get my outspokenness from the German in me. <clears throat> and I, I remember hearing this song, uh, Oh, my papa, <laughs> to me he is so wonderful. Oh, my papa, to me he is so good. Now, when we sing that to our papa now, he just... <laughs> he just loves all over us, doesn't he? But I kept singing that. His, and it never dawned on me that it would could kind of be a little nerve-wracking, you know. Just go, all the time you just hear that, oh, my papa. And my dad was trying to read a book. And he said to me, I wish you'd stop. You know, that done something to my heart. And that was a memory that was buried down in there that your ministry brought it out today. Healed me. It healed me. God's healing people here today. Receive it. I mean, don't think, oh, no, well, that's, that's silly of me. No. Receive your healing. Receive it. That's a blessing from the Father. 
up here receiving it. I'm sorry, I'm just a blunt, outspoken person who gets me in a lot of trouble sometimes. But I don't feel like you're receiving your healing today. God's wanting to heal your hearts. He wants to heal you. Allow him to heal you. You're worthy to be healed. You're important enough to the Heavenly Father that he sent his son, oh, to die on Calvary, to take care of the sins that you had in your life. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad that Jesus died on Calvary to take care of the sins in my life because they were many, 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 many. But God healed them, and he took care of them. And he wants to heal your heart today. Things that you have that has struck you, that has hurt you, God wants to heal you. Allow him to do it. You're worth it. <laughs> You're worth it. Zach was uh, talking this morning uh, about love and compassion. And it, <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but there's, this is what he wants to do for you. This is what he wants to do today. Yesterday morning, my oldest daughter lives next door to us. Are you here, Lynette? I don't see you. There she is back there. She lives next door to us, and yesterday she came. She's one of these ladies that lives next door to her aged mother and father. And she feels like she has to take care of us, even though we do pretty good on our own. And we just allow her to do it because I love it. But she came bursting through the door yesterday morning to have her regular morning coffee and toast with me. Well, she didn't have toast, but she had her morning coffee with me. Mama, don't go outside and stay away from the windows. I said, what? Don't go outside and stay away from the window. We live in the hood, by the way. If that'll tell you anything, why she panicked so? And I said, what are you talking about, pumpkin? And she said, there's a man out in your driveway. And I won't go into details, but he was about 6'3", something like that, and he was bent over, and he was just picking up rocks and putting them in his hand. Picking up rocks and putting them in his hand. And there was a pit bulldog with him that was just really in bad shape. But he just stayed bent over for so long that his pants pulled down. And I, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so she went to the phone and she called the police. Oh, I could say a bunch about it. But I won't say a bunch about it. Let your mind do the work. So in about five minutes, the police pulled up, and they talked to him for a, for a little bit, and then they, uh, he, the police officer uh, come and turned around and pulled right in front of our walkway, 
And he sat there. Well, I, you know, I didn't pay any attention. I, I'm really, <laughs> I'm just me. I, you know, I don't try to put on airs and I can talk with a billionaire or the president of the United States or the janitor or the street walker or your whatever. It don't make me any difference. They're all God's creation. So I stepped out, I just stepped outside of our screen door and Lynette was washing me all the time. I had on my pink pajamas and my yellow t-shirt didn't match. And she told me later, she said, I looked at you, Mama, and I thought only my mother could get away with this. <laughs> so I talked with the officer, and I said, can't you take him to the hospital or something? This is going somewhere. It's, it's not losing what's going on here. And I said, can't you take him to the hospital or something? Uh, and maybe they, from the hospital they can send him to a home. Because you could tell that he, he was not there. And the officer said, well, I don't think they'd accept him. He said, we've had one, a wellness call on him before. He has children. And I thought, where are the children? <laughs> oh, boy, God just dropped a thought in my mind right then, right there. Where's his children, he's saying. Where's his children? So anyway, finally, after a while, the man, the, the police officer didn't do anything. You know, he just sat in his car, and Lynette said, I've got to go to work, but I don't feel comfortable in leaving my parents, and she didn't say aged parents, that I take care of. She said, I just don't feel comfortable leaving my parents with this going on. So he sat there, and finally the, the gentleman uh, <laughs> pulled up his britches, and uh, he started, got his bulldog, and he started walking off. But he stopped for a little while, and he picked up a little bundle of little brush that he had picked up there. And I told Lynette, I said, you know what he's doing picking up those rocks? He's, in his mind, he's picking berries. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt, guys. Come on. So he left, and I started to walk back in the house. And compassion. You've seen people take a pitcher of water and just start pouring it, and just, it just comes out, just pours. My father started just pouring compassion into me. Pouring it. It was just pouring, and it just kept getting fuller and fuller of pure, unadulterated compassion. And tears started going down my cheeks, and I started, oh, Father, you teach us in your word that we entertain angels unaware 
Now, I'm not saying this man was an angel because I don't think he was. Uh, well, I know he wasn't. He lived down the street. But pa compassion just started pouring inside of me. Just, oh, I, I see it like a, I saw it then and I see it now like somebody just, a, a, you've seen pictures of, of uh, milk. <coughs> They're just pouring the milk and it just keeps pouring. And that's the way compassion was doing within me. It just kept pouring in and tears started coming down my cheeks and, I started praying in the, just in my normal voice of, oh, Father, I know you teach us that we entertain angels unaware, but I ask God that you just touch this man. And it went from talking in, in my natural language, it went to praying in the Spirit. And I started praying in the Spirit for him, and it just started rolling out, rolling out, rolling out, and it was filled with compassion. Well, that's how the Father is today with you. He's pouring out compassion on you today. His compassion heals you from words that have been spoken into your life. Like my little old dad. I wish you'd stop. <sighs> He meant nothing by it. My, my Dina used to, my kids, all three of them, but she'd grab a hold of my leg. I'd just walk, be walking up to the mailbox, and she'd grab a hold of my leg. Mama, take me with you. I said, honey, I'm just going to the mailbox. And here'd come Lynette and Lisa, kiss me, kiss me. And I'd have to kiss them all goodbye before I went to the mailbox. Well, this is how the Father is with us. He wants us to kiss him with our hearts. He wants us to love him with our hearts. And words that has been spoken to you, he wants to heal your hearts so that you can open your heart in a greater measure and just love him. And worship him. What a day this has been. What a night last night it was. <laughs> I got all my notes here. But when you was talking this morning about the orphan, this is how I have felt all my life. And some of you have felt this too. You're just not admitting it. I've never been lost for words. As a matter of fact, sometimes I'm sure people would say, oh, we should shut up. But I was always in my life I was always like I was on the outside looking in, in my family. There was my mom and my dad and my two brothers, and then me. I was the baby. But it was always like it was, I was out here, and they were there. Didn't mean they didn't love me, but it's like I 
was separated from them or something. I had a dream one time about a young man that used to come to our church when he was a little boy. And he grew up to be a man, and he just went his own merry direction. And uh, one night I had a dream about him. And I thought that we were all inside this glass building and I thought I looked and this young man was just had his face pressed against the, the glass looking in and we were all praising, just praising the Lord. And it was like he was looking in with, and I looked at him in my dream and I looked at him and there was such a yearning in him just to be a part of that. It was so strong that I called his mom and I asked if he was there. And she said, no, but he's, he'll be in from work just very shortly. He always stops here before he goes home. And I said, will you have him call me, please? And she said, yes. And when he called, I told him what I felt. I said, Jerry, you, you don't have to be on the outside looking in. You can be a part. God wants you to be a part. Obey your heart, son. It's not a good place to be on the outside looking in. So anyway, uh, all, all, all my life, it seemed like there's, there's a... There's a motive in, in this, all these teachings this weekend. <clears throat> so good. But my mom and dad were sharecroppers, and we were just little kids, and, and uh, we went to a General Baptist Brush Arbor meeting in Peach Orchard, Missouri. And I don't know how many of you remember Gene Sells and Brother George Anthony. <coughs> they were... General Baptist ministers here in Poplar Bluff. But anyway, they were holding a revival at a Brush Arbor meeting in Peach Orchard. And my mom and dad said, well, we're going to go tonight. So the only way we had to go was on the tractor. We didn't go to church very often because we didn't have transportation except the man that dad worked for would allow us to use the tractor once in a while. Or, uh, And I'm fixing to tell my age. Uh, and once in a while we could... Uh, hitch up the team in the wagon and grab a quilt and go to town. So mom and dad took us to this Brush Arbor meeting and <clears throat> the, uh, the preacher was preaching. I don't remember if it was Brother George and Anthony or Gene Sells. I didn't even know who it was for years and years. But all the kids went to the altar. And I started crying, and I said, Mama, can I go to the altar? And Mama said, no, you, you stop. You're not, no. Well, she didn't mean any harm. And I stood there, and I was just crying and crying. And whichever one, I think it was Brother George Anthony, came over, and he said, honey, why are you crying? And I said, I, I want to be saved, and my mama won't let me. <laughs> Must have made her feel bad like this. <laughs> and he said, well, let's just kneel right here. He didn't go 
past what my mother said. But he worked with it. And as God is my witness, he knows. He doesn't, he doesn't approve of uh, exaggeration or lies. You know that. But all I remember saying when I knelt down was, God saved me. And my mom told me later that for three solid hours, I preached and prophesied and spoke into tongues for three hours. And when I, I, now remember, I was only five years old. We didn't have kindergarten and all that kind of stuff in those days. You didn't know how to read at five years old. All we knew how to do was pick cotton. <laughs> and, but when I came to myself, when, my, when the Spirit lifted off me just enough that I could hear myself quoting Matthew 28, Go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, <coughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, darling. And I was gone again. I don't remember what happened after that, but I know in my own spirit that at that moment, God called me to preach the gospel, to work for him. And I appreciate, Brother me last night saying what he did. I went to him after service and I thanked him. I said I didn't know how my message was going. I didn't know. Well, you don't know how people think this day and time. Some believe in women preachers. Some don't. I just believe in God. <laughs> I have never in all the 57 years that I've preached and served the Lord, I have never explained to not one person why I feel like God called me to preach. I felt like if they didn't want to hear it, we'll go on down the street. There's another church right on down, not too far. So I've never explained it. And some of you here today, you feel a call on your life, and you, you have felt it for years, and you just keep pushing it in the corner because it's not kosher. It's not the thing. Somebody told me that I was a pioneer of women ministers around here. I mean, I sat under Louise Copeland for five years. How many of you remember Sister Louise Copeland? Well, you didn't sit under her ministry and not get busy. <clears throat> I preached my first sermon in Faith Tabernacle, and it was on P&G soap. The rich man and Lazarus. And I said, that poor old, poor old Lazarus didn't even have enough. He didn't even have any soap to clean his wounds. The dogs licked his sores. That's all I remember of it. You know why? Because the man that I sat under the next few years heard of my first message, and he started making fun of the P&G soap message. Wounds, words wound the hearts of people. When my Dina was like 18 months old, I, God gave me a, three dreams, 
And all this drug stuff is coming into America. I saw that, I'm not going to say how many years ago because you'd know how old she is now. But she's not 35 anymore. She's not even 45 anymore. How old are you, Dina? 56. See, she told on herself, I didn't tell her. But, you know, the Lord gave me the three dreams, and he gave them one at a time. And uh, then and he told me, just didn't give me the liberty to speak them out at that time. And then when he gave me the third dream, he said, go tell it. Well, I, I went to my pastor, and I told him that I, I felt like the Lord had something for me to give to the church. And he said, okay, he trusted me, and I trusted the Lord. But when I finished speaking, there was a voice behind me. You know how the deacons used to sit up behind the pulpit and they'd I said one time, I said, man, I'd hate to have to sit under that. I'm not going to tell you what else I said. But when I, I heard this voice behind me, and it said, sounds like a bean dream to me. Wounds. Wounded my heart. I didn't, I sung with the Living Way Trio, and I'd go out and minister, uh, but I always felt, that behind me so God's healing guys some of us have been through it coming up through the ranks so some of you young women that are pushing back your calling stop it go for it you didn't come into the ministry in a horse and wagon you've come in on a jet from glory hallelujah get aboard Write it. Hallelujah. But when I was, my mom and dad were, like I said, were sharecroppers, and, and uh, they, they really didn't take church that seriously. They were good people, and I could hear mom and daddy praying, you know, and mom would always have night prayer. But they never taught us kids to go to the house of God and be faithful to the house of God because it was just kind of third place with them. Or fifth or sixth place, I don't know. But it just wasn't a necessary thing. But they were good people. They were good moral people. So I kind of lost any kind of teaching. And it's funny how the prodigal son's coming up today, isn't it? So I turned prodigal. And the things that happened to me, I won't go into them because they're all under the blood. But it was not pretty. It was ugly, ugly, ugly. So when God lays his hand on you, be obedient because ugly is so ugly. When I was 16, my brother came over to the house and he was drunk and he started uh, trying to hammer around on me. And I just whipped him off of me with a cast iron skillet. 
Anybody ever use one of those? And when I told my dad had passed away at this time, got killed in a car wreck, and I told my mom, I said, either he stays away from the house drunk or I'm leaving. And she said, well, maybe you ought to leave. So at 16 years old, I got out on my own. And it was a cruel world out there, guys. So some of you, I don't know how many young people we've got here today, but if you're thinking about trying to get out on your own, you need to think about that a couple of times more. So it was really hard. But then when I was, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I don't want to take a long time. But when I was 24 years old, I met this precious, precious cop. I was a waitress at Vandover's restaurant, where Pax is now, and this most handsome cop came in that I'd ever seen in my life. His eyes were so brown and beautiful, and they were alive. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and that just did it. From that time, well, about two, we didn't see each other for about two weeks. And then I was with my sister-in-law downtown, and so help me, all the things that I did and all the things I went through, I had never did something like this. But we were downtown, and we were looking into a store window. So I didn't trust very well. Some of you here have a trusting issue. You don't trust it. Has fear and doubt come across your mind? Has your faith been surely tried?